Good morning, everybody. It's Saturday morning. We're coming at you a little bit early with the NBA breakdown today. We got a full day of sports. We got some March Madness going on, which should should be fun. Got a full slate of NBA, and I think there's some really good spots for us to dive into today. Got a pretty decent UFC card tonight, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be, you know, get your stuff done during the day and then find a couple TVs and watch some watch some sports this afternoon and evening. Uh, going to be a good day. So started out this week down some, down four, four or four and a half units, I think, on Monday. It was not a very good day. But over the rest of the week, I think every other day has been positive. Uh, yesterday, totally dug out of that hole and up a little over six units on the week now. So obviously really wanting to finish strong. Always love to try to hit that 10-unit mark. But I know that every day can go either way, and we could be <laughs> coming back down to earth at the same time. We'll hope that isn't the case. So uh, let's get into the games for today, break down what we're seeing and what some good spots are. This is the NBA breakdown for Saturday, March 26th. First up today, we have the Spurs at the Pelicans. Pelicans are minus five and a half now, started out at four and a half. 232 and a half total is where we've gotten on this one. Oh, and I got to pull on my basketball notes. Still had UFC up. All right. So for the Spurs, it looks like McDermott and Walker will still be out. And I've talked about this a lot of times where it's not that those two players are necessarily, you know, phenomenal players. Uh, Vassal, some others would fall into this category as well. But what it is, is that DeJounte Murray needs some capable shooters around him uh, as he's I mean, he's phenomenal. But they pl- they're better when they have these guys healthy. So I don't think this means the Spurs are going to play a terrible game or anything, but I don't think it's a positive for them that these guys are out. Vassal is a game-time decision, too. So if he sits out, they start to get really thin on the wings um, for, those, for those shooters. So that's something to watch. Also, Brandon Ingram is a game-time decision. From what I read with his hamstring injury, he did practice some on Friday, But with that kind of injury, my guess is that they continue to bring him along pretty slow. So I'd be surprised if he plays today. If he's healthy once he comes back, I think that makes the Pelicans a really dangerous team. So for now, they're still a good team. um, But I would say that Ingram improves them significantly when he does come back. The Spurs are on a little bit of a weird schedule thing here where they had two days off coming into this one. They're seven and five against the spread on two or more days off, but they had two days off before their last game as well. So it's been a lot of rest lately. And actually, I've um, what you tend to see more often than not is when teams have a lot of time off, they actually struggle more until they get back into a rhythm. So I don't count that as a good thing for them. The Pelicans on the other side, they're coming in on one day of rest, but they're also on the front end of a back to back. They play the Lakers tomorrow, uh, which, you know, the Lakers not. A huge challenge these days. So they've played a little bit better their last couple games. Um, and the Pelicans are like two and two in their last four on the front end of a back-to-back. So I don't think there's too much to read into that spot um, when we're capping this game. These teams did play on March 18th, and the Pelicans won 124-91, to just absolutely blew the doors off the Spurs. So that's the game we're coming off of between these two teams. In terms of how the Spurs have been performing, They've been really all over the place. I mean, they've scored under 110 in four out of their last 10 games, but over 120 in three out of their last 10. We know this is a team that has the potential to score a lot. They haven't actualized that potential about half the time, but they have the other half of the time. On defense, they held Portland to 96, which, I mean, Portland has scored a lot sometimes recently, even though I have no idea why they ever should against an NBA team, but 
they held them down. Utah 102. We know Utah's been bad lately. Golden State 108, also not good on offense lately. But otherwise, they've given up 110 plus, and they've given up 120 or more in four out of 10, which I think is going to matter against this Pelicans team because they've been playing pretty well offensively. Um, in the last 14, the Spurs are much better on offense actually away from home than they are at home. So their offensive rating in the last 14 is 108.6 at home, and it's 119.4 on the road. So about an 11-point jump being on the road. This was actually a spot that I was looking to even just hammer the Pelicans. But that number is one that makes me just pump the brakes a little bit. Because if the Spurs do come out and have a great offensive game, I think that the, the Pelicans still probably win this game. But I think that it could be close uh, if that's the case. So when we look at the Pelicans side, they've just been awesome scoring at home lately. 115 or more in six out of seven since the All-Star break. And 120 or more in five out of those seven. So just really on a nightly basis, putting up points at home. Um, their defense has been very up and down. As I mentioned earlier, they allowed 91 against the Spurs, but they gave up 142 to the Hornets, who really haven't been that good lately and aren't putting up those kind of numbers on most teams. So I don't think their defense is incredibly trustworthy. Over their last 14, their offensive rating at home is 120.8, really, really solid, only 114.7 on the road. And their defensive rating is a little worse, 111.9, which is still respectable at home, 107.8 on the road. Um, both these teams definitely have something to play for here. The Spurs are two games back of the Pelicans and the Lakers for the 10th spot for the play. in I think the Spurs have a chance to, to go up and grab that spot still, especially from the Lakers, but they need to win games. And so this is a big game for them. You know, you gain a full game on somebody. If you, if you come out and beat the Pelicans here, the, uh, the Pelicans on the other side, obviously need to win to hold on to that 10th spot, move up into ninth, really lock down their position and same thing for them. You beat the Spurs who are coming up behind you and you gain a whole game on them. Um, that solidifies things for you. So I kept this game at 122-117 Pelicans with a spread of five and a half. I actually did bet the four, minus four and a half last night before I really dove into. That's what I've been doing, just some initial analysis. And I thought it looked like a good spot. I don't hate the bet still, but I think this game could be closer than I thought, especially if the Spurs score a lot. That's what it's going to take. So I don't mind the over 232 and a half here. Um, obviously, I have this line at 239. It is going to depend on if the Spurs offense really shows up, but they have been on the road lately. So right now where this game stands currently, I think what I like most is the Pelicans money line, maybe parlayed with something else you really like or the over. Next up, we have a pretty much a crapper of a game. Kings at Magic, Orlando's minus three, 223 and a half total. So, these are the kind of games now where we have to try to figure out who's tanking harder because all of these teams who are out of playoff contention are going to want to improve their draft stock. But the interesting thing is that the coaches in front office are going to want that, I would assume. And some coaches might still want to win. There are some teams also that I think want to try to build some positive momentum into the offseason. Detroit comes to mind as one where that's a, a possibility. But the players... I don't know that they necessarily want to go out here and lose. The reality is that uh, their jobs or some of their jobs, at least, are still on the line and uh, how the team thinks about them moving forward and even who they draft and who they get to try to replace different people. So I don't necessarily expect the players to most of the time come out and not put up any kind of effort. For Sacramento, Fox and Savonis are still going to be out, which is pretty big. I mean, those are their two best players. And so it hampers them some. However, 
they've played decent without those two guys the last two or three games. And I think that comes back to these guys get a chance and they step up and they try to make the most of the chance. So they're going to get another chance here tonight. For Orlando, Suggs is out in this game. Um, Sacramento comes in on two days of rest. They're eight, four, and one against the spread on two or more days of rest. They have scored 110 or more points in eight out of their last 10. So, um, you know, that obviously includes some games where De'Aaron Fox was playing, but now it includes some where he's not as well. So that's pretty good for them. They've also allowed 110 or less in four out of their last 10, um, but they've allowed 125 or more in five out of their last 10. So this is like a real um, feast or famine. Like they allow tons of points or not very many, and there hasn't been much in between. In this game, which one would they be more likely to do? Well, I would say because they're playing Orlando, they'd be slightly more likely to not give up very many. Orlando has scored under, uh, let's see, under 100, under 100 in four out of their last 10. Only 110 or more in one out of their last 10. So this is a team that is not scoring the basketball at all. Um, When you see Orlando right now, my my knee-jerk reaction is unders because they just don't score. And on the defensive side, they've allowed under 110 in 5 out of 10, so pretty good, but 120 or more in 3 out of 10. So the question here really is which team shows up on either side. Um, Sacramento has been a little bit better away from home in their last 14, so that's something to consider both on offense and defense. They've been better, um, maybe a little bit more consistent. And the Magic have been better on offense at home. But here's the funny thing. Their offensive rating is four points better at home in their last 14, but the offensive rating is still (laughs) 105.9. So they basically have a crappy offensive rating even in the place where they're better. All that said, I don't look for the Magic to, to necessarily put up a ton of points here. The one time they did was against Detroit in that game where it was the only NBA game that night. Sacramento, it's hard to read. They have their best players out, but these other guys have stepped up pretty well. So I line this game at Sacramento 112, Orlando 108. I am considering betting Sacramento's money line here. I haven't had a lot of success betting the Kings this year. I mean, why would anyone have much success betting the Kings? Maybe some somebody out there does. Good, good on you if you do. And if you do, tell me what we should do here tonight. Um, and then in terms of the total, I would lean toward the under, but it's probably not enough space for me to jump in on it. I do think it's possible for Sacramento to get up to that 115 range. So, yeah, I do like the under okay, and I like Sacramento plus three or even on the money line. Next up, Pacers and Raptors. Toronto now to minus 11. This game started, I believe, at minus nine. Um, Yeah, I got it earlier this morning at minus nine. That's the, the good thing about being up at five in the morning, I guess. 226 and a half total, but this is where it stands now. So let's talk about it from where it stands currently. Indiana's just been bad. I mean, there's no way around it. And they continue to have a bunch of people out. Batadze game time decision, um, Smith, Washington, whatever. Duarte's out. Jackson's out. I mean, Turner's been out forever. We don't even need to talk about that anymore. On the Toronto side, OG is back. Gary Trent's supposed to play. So they're actually getting healthy again. And that is a big deal for them. We've talked about this before on this stream that Toronto is by far better. They're one of these teams. Some teams, it doesn't matter when somebody sits out. Other teams, it matters more. Toronto's a team where it matters more. So having all these people back makes a difference. Um, Indiana has scored under 110 in four out of their last 10 games and over 120 in five out of their last 10. So again, it's like they score none or they score a ton. 
Now, most of those high-scoring games are against bad defenses. It's been Portland, Houston, Atlanta, Cleveland, and Washington. I mean, Cleveland's the only one in there that you could say is any kind of a decent defense. On the defensive side, they've also been pretty bad. They've allowed 130 or more in four out of their last 10 and 115 or more in six out of 10. And they've been a little worse on the road lately, four points worse in offensive rating, Defensive rating, uh, three points worse, actually, on the road. So they're they're scoring less, giving up more. It's not a good spot for them. They're a bad team. They have people out. There's nothing left to play for. I, I mean, number one, I would never bet Indiana. Uh, the rest of the season, I will not bet Indiana against the spread. <clears throat> now, there may be times, and let's talk about if today is one, where I won't bet the other side either. Because Indiana can still come out and put up some points. Um, but I won't bet them anymore. This is Toronto's second game of their homestand, and their scoring has been so up and down that it's hard to trust. I mean, even just take their last four games, 117, 99-93, 116, and that pattern sort of continues as you move backwards. I do think having everyone back, their scoring should trend up more than than down, Um, but they haven't been a super trustworthy team. Their defense is also kind of all over the place. They did hold the team under 101 out of the last 10, but the main area they're allowing is from 101 to 110 is seven out of the last 10 games. So that's consistently what they're allowing on defense. Their defense has been worse at home over the last 14 by about seven points. Offense pretty much the same. Toronto is tied for the number six seed in the East. So I think that they do have motivation to come out here and get wins. And Indiana is a team that a motivated Toronto team should be able to put it on. So I line this game at 123-106 Toronto. Um, At that rate, obviously, I still like Toronto minus 11. I don't know for sure if I would bet it because, again, I get more hesitant when these numbers get to more than 10 points. But I think Toronto absolutely puts it on Indiana here. I could see it even being like 131 to 108 or something. And because of that, I do like the over a decent amount. I think the thing that I would consider, even though the number is going to be super high, I should pull it up here and see if I can see what it is. I would maybe lean toward Toronto's team total over rather than the over for the whole game because sometimes Toronto plays good defense. But if they get into a high-scoring game, Indiana does have the ability to put up some points. Um Eh, not too bad. The Raptors team total right now is 117 and a half is what I'm seeing. Um, I think there's a great chance of them going over 117 and a half. So, yeah, I think there's a decent amount to like here. Like Toronto on the spread. I like the over. I like Toronto's team total over. Um, I like Indiana's team total a little bit less. I, I still like it OK, um, but that is not that's the last place I would go here out of all of those. All right, let's move on to the Bucks at the Grizzlies. Man, this is a good game. Um, this is this is one that's going to be worth watching. Uh, you know, if you're watching college basketball, or you're watching UFC like I will be, whatever, this is definitely something to have on the second screen when it comes on. Um, Memphis is minus one and a half. This is eight o'clock Eastern, 233 and a half total. These are two teams that have been playing pretty well overall. And two teams that are vying for um, the top spots in their conferences. Obviously, Memphis isn't going to get number one because of Phoenix. That's all locked up. But they're in number two right now. A couple games ahead of the Warriors for number three. And the Bucs, I believe, are a half game back of number one right now. 
uh, of the Heat. The Heat are going to lose that, I think. That's a foregone conclusion. It's just a matter of who steps in, whether it's um, Giannis is a game-time decision here. Obviously, that's worth watching. It looks like Middleton should be back, so that's good for the Bucks. <clears throat> but we do have to pay attention to what happens with Giannis. All right, so it's a little bit... I think we have to go back historically with how Memphis has done without Morant this year because they've just had three games without him in this recent stretch. And they played Indiana, Brooklyn, and Houston. So Brooklyn could tell us something, but Houston's really not going to. So um, I'm going to look up here Memphis's offensive rating without Morant. Sorry for doing this while we're on here, but so their offensive rating overall this year without Morant, without relying just on the fact that they crushed Indiana and Houston, scoring 133 and 122. They scored 132 against Brooklyn also, but it's 118.9. I mean, that is a phenomenal offensive rating, especially against a team that's been spotty defensively like the Bucks. Now they, I think, can be a good defensive team, but they haven't necessarily been. The Grizzlies' defensive rating without Morant, I know we've gone over this, but it just bears repeating. 100.7 defensive rating without Morant. That is best in the league stuff. This is why I bring it up, is that it's not just that the Grizzlies have a good defense when Morant is out. It's that they have like the best defense in the league when Morant is out. And that's something you got to pay attention to. All right, other stuff here. Memphis has been better at home over their last 14. Um, they're home tonight, 123.5 offensive rating. Phenomenal. Defensive rating has been a little higher, 112.1. But again, a lot of that's with Morant in. The offensive rating is too, but whatever. You get the point. I've just gone over all this. You don't need me to spell it out for you. Milwaukee uh, has been scoring well recently for sure. Um, 114, 126, 119, 135. I mean, the lowest they've been in their last 10 or so here is 109. So they've been scoring really well. And some of it has been against good defenses. So um, they've only really faced two decent defenses since the All-Star break. That's something else that I think matters here is that their schedule has been pretty soft since the All-Star break. And so they're putting up these great numbers, but how much can we trust it? They have allowed 115 to 119 a lot lately. They only allowed 98 and 102 their last two, but that was against Chicago and Washington who are playing terrible. So I don't know how much stock we can put in that. And Milwaukee has been a little bit worse away from home. Three points worse in offensive rating, four points worse in defensive rating. So a net of seven points between those two um, that Milwaukee has been worse. I already talked about how they both have something to play for. Man, I just think this is a great game. Should be fun to watch. It's a game where, honestly, either team could run away with it. But if Gian as long as Giannis plays, I think this ends up being a pretty close game. And certainly Milwaukee has the bigger star with Morant out and Giannis in. But I line this game still. I'm, I'm lining this assuming that Giannis plays. And I said 119-114 Memphis. So at that rate, I'm basically right on the total of 233.5. I would still go over if I was going to do anything because both these teams have the ability to go over. But the reason that I'm not is I trust Memphis's defense to show up. And so thinking Memphis will win by five, minus one and a half, it's decent. I have not bet this yet, but for sure, if I was going to take something here, it would be Memphis. Um, I think they're the better team. And even or especially without Morant, I think they're the better team. So I like Memphis here. We'll see if I end up betting them or not. <clears throat> Next up, 
We got the Bulls at the Cavs. We got four games left here. Cleveland minus one, 222 total. These two teams played on March 10th, and Chicago won 101-91, an incredibly low-scoring game. Uh, DeRozan sat out uh, the last game, but he should be back here. I don't really know if that's good or bad. I won't, again, beat a dead horse too much, but I will just say, again, I don't love the composition of this team when, when DeRozan is in. Because he and Levine both need the ball, and Durant or Durant, DeRozan is so ball dominant that I think it stifles the offense unless he's shooting phenomenally. And props to him, man, he's been awesome this year, um, especially that run he went on recently, scoring forty or more. So uh, again, I'm not shitting on DeRozan either. I'm just saying I don't like the way that this team plays offensively when he's in, and if he's not having a good shooting night, I don't trust them offensively. Chicago scored under 115 in 10 straight games now. That was not the case earlier in the season. They've given up 125 or more in four out of the last five. I mean, these numbers are just saying Chicago's not good at the moment. So why wouldn't we hammer Cleveland if Chicago hasn't been good? Well, it's because Cleveland hasn't necessarily been so good either. They've been really inconsistent on offense. They have scored 120 or more in two out of their last 10, but they've been between 100 and 109 five of their last 10. So the scoring hasn't been awesome. Their defense hasn't been great. They've given up 115 or more in five out of their last 10. Listen to the teams they beat since the All-Star break. Detroit, Denver, that's a good win. Clippers, meh. Indiana, Toronto, that's a good win. Washington. So they've had like a couple good wins and then three or four not very good wins. But here's who they've lost to. I mean, this isn't all the teams they've lost to. They've lost way more than this. But they lost to Detroit, Charlotte, Chicago, the Lakers. Not a murderer's row. Cleveland has been marginally better at home in their last 14 games. Um, well, marginally better on offense, two points. But their defense has been way better. And I think that's really the spot that I would look to here to make the difference in what happens in this game. Their defensive rating at home in the last 14 is 109. On the road, it's 124. So we're talking about a 15-point swing in defensive rating from home and road against a Chicago team that has really struggled to score. So I think because this is in Cleveland – I lean that direction. Actually leaned pretty strongly. After talking through this, I think I may actually go back and bet Cleveland. So I lined this earlier at 115-112 Cleveland, but I think maybe I didn't put enough stock in how good their defense has been at home lately and how bad Chicago's offense is. So I'm going to maybe adjust this to like 115-109 Cleveland, which tells me there's a little bit more value in that Cleveland minus one. And in terms of the total, if anything, I would go over here, but do not trust the Bulls offense. And really don't t trust Cleveland's offense too much either. So I'm going to stay away from that total. But I do. I, after talking it through, I like Cleveland. Next up, man, this is game of the day for me. So I, at the most, I think I had one game in the last three or four weeks where I bet three units. I used to do that more, and it just got me into trouble way too often. I'd end up having a good night where, you know, I, I would go like, five and two but I the two were big bets and then I'd end up losing money anyway so I just quit doing that <laughs> but man if I was ever going to drop 10 units on something it would be when I saw that Brooklyn opened up at minus 105 they were plus one minus 110 against Miami couldn't believe that line when I saw it last night I only put one unit on it because it felt like a trap and so I thought well I'll put one unit and then I'll Watch to see what happens. I, well, I did the research today. I put another unit on it at minus one and a half, I believe I got earlier this morning. 
And I know that this line continues to increase. It's three and a half. And I'm sitting here considering putting more on it still. So why is that? Well, we'll walk through the stuff we normally do. Brooklyn comes in on two days of rest, five, seven, and one against the spread. But okay, here's the deal. Most of these Brooklyn numbers, I don't even care (laughs) unless they include Kyrie because they are a different team, especially offensively, a little bit defensively when Kyrie plays. So what they've done all season on two days of rest, I don't really give a shit. Like what they've done without Kyrie at home, I don't really give a shit. So um, forget forget that. Miami on a back-to-back, they're coming in on a back-to-back on a terrible run right now. Lost three in a row. They're five and seven against the spread off back-to-backs. Hero's going to be out again today. It seems like there's turmoil internally. Um, This is a team that now seems to be without someone who can just take over offensively in the past. Hero's done it at times. Butler's done it at times. Even Adebayo's done it at times, but nobody's doing it now. Uh, this just seems like a team, almost like Golden State had that run where they were really mediocre, and I guess they're a little bit back there now without Curry. That feels like Miami to me right now, a team that should be good, but really is just like a middle-of-the-road NBA team. I don't think they're that good right now. On top of having Kyrie, Brooklyn is likely to have Dragic and Curry tonight, which gives them a lot more depth. It gives them more shooting. I mean, this is such a phenomenal spot for Seth Curry. Um, I mean, against Miami, but just in general on this team, to have someone like Kyrie who can create his own shot and do a ton of scoring. Kevin Durant, who you have to pay a ton of uh, attention to defensively. That's just going to leave open looks for Curry from three. So... When the, when the Nets are healthy, I do think they're the best team in the East. They're just not always healthy. I know I'm going on about this game, but, I, man, I just think it's a good one. So let's quick run through scoring and defense with Kyrie. So with Kyrie, last seven games, there was one game where the Nets scored 108. Um, every other game over 120. One of those was 150. Another one was 132, 129. I mean – They're not even flirting with 120 that much. They're more flirting with 130 plus. Now with Kyrie, they have had quite a few games where they're allowing a lot of points. They allowed 132. That was against um, Memphis, I believe. So, you know, that's a good team. They've allowed 126, 123, but they do have a 100, 108, 109. So against teams that aren't phenomenal on offense, they've actually done okay. And they've done it against good competition. I mean, they've played Memphis. They played Orlando. Eh, okay, not good. But Philly, Charlotte, eh, okay. Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee. Overall, this is a Nets team that's had a tough schedule. And they've just been absolutely freaking crushing. I mean, if they're scoring 130-plus or around there against all these teams, they can do it against anybody. I don't care who it is. Their offensive rating in their last 14 games uh, away from home, 125.2. Just, I mean, that's like up, that's got to be league best. I didn't look it up, but that's phenomenal. On the other side, Miami's offense has been anemic lately. 103, 104, 106, that's their last three. They did have a 120, but then 105, 104, 90. I mean, this is just a team that isn't scoring. Their defense is pretty consistently allowed 111 to 113. The high they've allowed in their last 10 games is 118. Their defensive rating over the last 14 at home, 110.8. So all of that is respectable, yes. But they're playing an offensive juggernaut here. 
And I don't think anybody can slow down the Nets too much. Now, obviously, some teams can slow them down more than others, and Miami's been a reasonably good defense. So I'll give them credit for that. I tried to stay conservative here, and I lined this at Brooklyn 120, Miami 106. I think Brooklyn can definitely get to 125+. plus. I think that's in the cards. Now, again, hear me. I'm going to show restraint here. I am not going to go bet 10 units on this because when I do that, it turns out poorly. And I'm just not doing it anymore. But I freaking love the Nets here. And I think one thing I might do is look at an alternate spread of like minus 14 and a half and go put a half unit on that or something, depending on what the plus money is. Because I think this is a great spot for them. I mean, we'll see how it turns out. The, the, the other reality is, while both teams have motivation right now, because like I said, Miami's only half a ga- game up um for the number one seed i i just don't think they're good enough to to stop any you know to hang on to it the nets are in the eighth seed right now and they have a very slight chance of moving up even out of the playoff i think the Cavs or the bulls could come back to them but it's a wide gap so i mean they have to go out there and win every game right now there's no room for error all right i get it i've beat a dead horse on this one but as you can tell like this is one of my favorite spots in quite a while so love this spot for the Nets. And you're like, no shit, you've said it eight times. I know I listen to podcasts too where people say the same thing eight times. Now I guess I'm learning why they do that. All right, let's move on to the Thunder and the Nuggets. We'll move through these last two a little quicker. The last one we're going to move really freaking fast. Um, so Shea, Favors, Williams, Giddy, all game time decisions. Some to pay attention to, obviously, especially with Shea. They're better, especially scoring when he's playing. Porter Jr., actually a game-time decision for the Nuggets. I was surprised to see that. I didn't actually realize that he was that close to coming back. So we'll see if he plays. I'm sure his minutes are going to be severely restricted, even if he does. For this game, I don't think it's positive. If he plays long run, obviously it would be helpful. Oklahoma City on two days of rest is 10-4 and four, uh, against the spread, so that's positive. Oklahoma City is a team that many times covers these large spreads. Their scoring has been really good lately. They've scored 120 or more in two out of their last 10 and 115 or more in six out of their last 10. They've only been under 100 in one out of their last 10, which is just not very Oklahoma City-like. Earlier in the year, they were doing that all the time. So they've been scoring well. They did limit Orlando to 90 and 102 in a couple recent games, but other than that, they've given up 130 or more in four out of 10. (laughs) 130 or more. 120 or more in seven out of 10. So, I mean, they're just giving up 120 or more like it's candy it's probably going to happen um their defensive rating has been a little well significantly better actually away from home in their last 14 it's 113 um but they yeah they just haven't been good on defense and denver's a good offensive team denver scored 120 or more in four out of their last 10 114 or more in six out of their last 10 they are allowing a lot of points 115 or more in five out of their last 10 so their defense hasn't been great their offense has been good In terms of motivation in this game, Denver right now is sitting in the sixth spot. They are only half a game up on the Timberwolves, though. Let's go, Timberwolves. Man, I like the Nuggets and the Timberwolves. What do I do about that? I guess I hope that the Jazz fall and they both move up. Um, Or the Mavericks. So the Nuggets really need to win. I mean, I would assume they really would want to stay out of the play-in, so every game matters to them as well. Oklahoma City doesn't have a, a ton of motivation, but they've still been coming out and playing. So I love the over here. I line this as 129-118 Denver. Maybe that's a little aggressive on the Oklahoma City side, 
but I think clearing 228 and a half is a very likely outcome. So I love the over here. And then if I was going to take a side, I would take Oklahoma City. I have them as an 11 point dog in my projection. So 15 is getting really wide. I haven't bet that, but I don't hate it if you want to go there. All right. Last, we go to the Rockets and the Blazers who just played last night and 125-106 Houston. The Blazers are the team that is full in full-on tank mode more than anyone else. Now, it is worth watching if Hart and Winslow play here. If they do, I think the Blazers are a team that can score more. Here's the reality. I'm not betting anything on this game. I, this, again, I think you got to be a degenerate to bet this stuff. 232 total. If anything, this game goes over because both defenses are terrible. If Hart comes back, maybe they score a little more. That's the only place I would look, but I would definitely not bet a side. And personally, I'm going to stay from the, away from the total on this one as well. All right, that is the NBA breakdown for today. Hopefully some good info in there. Would love to hear if you agree with me on the stuff that I shared today, if you're fading me, whatever. I'm happy to hear it either way because, you know, I want to get different perspectives too. I can definitely get locked into what I'm seeing and I need to hear what others are seeing as well. So appreciate the retweets, the likes, all that stuff. Again, just want to say again, for those of you, there are some of you, who are just doing that every day. And I just want to tell you truly, I deeply appreciate it. Uh, your support means a lot to me. And um, the the views and stuff are growing because of you um, and the way that you're supporting. Also, I put out yesterday, I do put this out as a podcast after it's done. So if it's easier for you to listen in that format, uh, check out my profile. And you can see that if you're listening to the podcast, would love a five-star review. So we can keep spreading it that way as well. All right, everybody, big day in sports. Hope you have a great day betting, a great day just enjoying the games too. There's some good stuff out there today. Have a good Saturday and I'll see you on Twitter.